Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hello and welcome to Pediapod for September 2023. This month, we ask, do Bailey trajectories predict school readiness better than single assessments in formerly very preterm infants? More than half of very preterm infants have some neurodevelopmental impairments or delays. Not surprisingly, the likelihood of delays is inversely proportional to gestational age. These delays can have long-lasting consequences for children as they impact the early construction of complex brain behaviours and processes. The development of children born very preterm is often evaluated using the Bailey Scales of Infant Development. These single assessments are routinely used as outcome measures for neonatal interventions or as a means of prognosis for very preterm infants. However, early Bailey scores may not accurately predict later outcomes. In this episode of Pediapod, I spoke with this month's highlighted early career investigator, Dr. Mary Lauren Neal from Emory University. She and her team set up a study aimed to determine whether Bailey 3 score trajectories measured at multiple time points in children born very preterm predicted school readiness at age 5 better than a single assessment. Here's Dr. Neal. So, my name is Mary Lauren Neal. I am a neonatologist at Emory University. When I went to medical school, I kind of was one of those people that liked everything, but I particularly liked pediatrics and OBGYN. So then I did residency and chief residency and again, sort of enjoyed everything, but ultimately ended up doing neonatology, went to Vanderbilt for a fellowship. And initially my interests were sort of in prognosticating, sort of counseling families on outcomes and who was going to do well and who was going to have issues and I think over the course of my fellowship and over the course of a very formative relationship with my mentor, Dr. Natalie Maitre, my interest really shifted from prognostication to intervention. We're not great at prognosticating, and we are proven wrong all the time. And then secondly, prognosticating and just telling families what's going to happen with their child is not helpful or empowering. So I think leading into this particular Bailey trajectory paper, so many of the studies that look at outcomes look at a single two-year outcome. And so is a single two-year outcome at a period of maximal plasticity really the best outcome or the definitive outcome? And 
if our outcome is not reflective of longer-term outcomes, then if we're using that to inform our NICU interventions, I think it's just something to be cautious about. We think of development as this tightly orchestrated sequence of genetic events in in some ways. So what is it about being born very preterm that knocks this pathway off course? Yeah. Like what else is going on? Yeah, it's a great question. So basically in the premature baby, what you have is genetic vulnerability as well as whatever environmental influence made that baby be born preterm. So you have this going on and then you have the neonatal brain that is by definition immature And as much as we try in the NICU, we're not a uterus. It's not the same. And the things that we have to do to keep these babies alive are extremely different than what would be happening in the mom or in the birth parent. And then we know that sensory motor systems develop first. And the NICU is a very abnormal sensory environment. And so then the building blocks of development, these sensory motor systems are developing in this very abnormal environment. And then you see the downstream impacts of that with more complex neurobehaviors like cognition and behavior and communication. And then on top of that, you have maturity that's happening. So the brain hopefully is growing, the baby is becoming more mature, and you have experiential learning, which I would include parenting in that experiential learning. And so I think anything we can do in the NICU and beyond to provide supportive developmental experiences are extremely important and can really help with some of these downstream developmental processes. And so given that incredible complexity and variable trajectories that very preterm infants can find themselves on, it must be very challenging to, as you say, prognosticate or measure the efficacy of interventions How is it currently done? How is that currently assessed? If you look at figures of trajectories in general, people report an average trajectory. But the problem with that is that when you look at individual babies, we don't know. You know, we don't know. Are they going to be a kid that exceeds expectations? Are they going to be a baby that struggles more? But I think that this paper and others highlight that we need to understand the limitations of the outcomes that we are reporting. What is the kind of standardized way of making an assessment aimed at predicting neurodevelopmental outcomes? So there are many assessments that can be used. But at this point, the most commonly used assessment tool is the Bailey Scales of Infant Development. As with all tools, it gets refined over time. But it's a standardized developmental assessment that contains different developmental domains. So the kid gets a score for gross motor skills, fine motor skills, language, including expressive language and receptive language, and then also cognition. And so that at this point, is the most commonly used assessment of development, particularly at two years. And there's some controversy, right, over whether these early Bailey scores are, in fact, good predictors for those long-term outcomes. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and there's there's kind of mixed reviews. But again, that's sort of looking at a one-time Bailey and a one-time later score. And I think that's what makes this study unique in that we're looking at what if you had multiple Bailey scores. 
And so in a nutshell, then, what you were doing in this paper was wanting to see whether the trajectories of Bailey scores measured at multiple time points were better predictors of specifically school readiness in, in their fifth year, better than just these single assessments typically done. That's exactly right. Does the addition of more Baileys add to essentially the prediction of, of school outcomes at four to five? And it turns out they do. Actually, the combination of the initial Bailey score, like between six and nine months, and these trajectories. So the combination of the initial score and the trajectory actually gives us the best prediction rather than either initial or trajectory alone. And does that make sense to you just as someone who's you know spent a lot of time in NICUs and thinking about these issues with very preterm infants? Does it make sense that you know, those trajectories were more helpful for predicting outcomes than those single assessments. Why do you think trajectories are more illuminating? Kids create their own path. And some of our children start off scoring low and end up scoring much higher. Some kids start off higher and end up scoring lower. And so I think it makes sense to me that it matters both where you start, but it also matters what happens over the course of the first couple of years of life and over the course of development. By using both initial Bailey score and trajectory, we're better able to predict that child's later outcomes because we're accounting for their individual variability. Does that make sense? It totally does. And I mean, it also sort of makes intuitive sense that by taking those multiple assessments, you're being more attentive to the unique journey of the individual child not only because the, these models seem to work better, but also because you're kind of following the unique situation. That's exactly right. And I, you know, I say this knowing that this is a luxury, right? Because this is what we were doing in this paper. And I'm trying to think about what's next for my work and thinking, okay, so I believe this, but how do I do this practically for other studies? You know, how do I use these trajectory-based approaches and essentially kind of personalized developmental medicine to evaluate outcomes. Does it take a long time to do a Bailey assessment? Is it feasible that you would try and introduce multiple assessments as standard for very preterm infants? I certainly think it's feasible if systems support it. So in our practice, we do do multiple Baileys at one, two, three years. So certainly clinically it's possible, but it is certainly an investment on the part of the institution because a Bailey probably on average takes an hour, maybe more, and it has to be someone who's trained to do it. So either, you know, a trained psychologist or a trained therapist or someone. So we do do it clinically, but it does require an institutional commitment, I would say. And you mentioned before that there are just loads and loads of different types of assessment for various neurodevelopmental outcomes. I mean, do you think that this general principle of incorporating an initial assessment with a combined measure of, of change of the trajectory, do you think that would work for other developmental assessments and outcomes? I do. I mean, I can't prove that because I haven't done the study, but my suspicion, given what we know about development and the lack of linearity of development, and even in children who were not preterm, development comes and starts and stops, and each child is a little bit different. So it makes sense to me that for other assessments, we would see a similar finding. 
you mentioned earlier, shifting from trying to prognosticate to thinking more about interventions. Does this paper have any bearing on your optimism about interventions? Absolutely. You know, if we really want to evaluate the efficacy of interventions, we really need to think about a trajectory-based approach to outcomes evaluation. One thing that I'm thinking about a lot is particularly these kids that when we look at their trajectories, they go from starting quite low to ending up above average. You know, I think in the past we might say, well, those kids are just outliers. What if we could learn something from the, quote, outliers? And what if we could look at these children whose trajectories are quite steep? What if there was something there? And from other work, we know that there is. I would say parenting and other things are a part of it. But I think it's really important to learn from the children that do well, rather than just saying, oh, well, they were just lucky, you know. That was Dr. Mary Lauren Neal from Emory University. And that's it for this episode. Please join us again next month for your next edition of Pediapod. I'm Jeff Marsh. Thanks for listening.